Good morning, City Life. Good morning, City Lifers and visitors. Grateful for another Sunday. Grateful and astounded that we like are still here, still loving, being with you. Um, we love you. Uh, I wanted to quick, really quick, before we really jump in. Uh, Carla talked about this in the announcements, but I wanted to say it too because this is really important. This is rather really important for the life of our church. On February 27th, we are having family meeting. And um, this is like the most like required thing to be at all year. Like this is really big for us. This is where we talk about our church, our vision, and we like do important things like present our budget so that we can be transparent, so that we can like show you what we're doing and like how we plan on spending our money, uh, well the church's money, not our money. And uh, like it's really important for the life of this church to be on the same page, to go after like what God has for us this year. And so we're really excited. And to be able to do this the best way possible so that we can like bring all of you, like our online people and our in-person people like and have it together to do it, present the same stuff and be unified instead of doing it and streaming it like ineffectively and in a bad way. We're going to have it later on in the day. So February 27th at 3 p.m., we're going to have a Zoom call. We're going to make that Zoom link very accessible in our MC emails and even on our website. But And we'll continue to communicate how that's going to happen. Uh, but like, if this is your church, if City Life is your home, then we ask for you to be there. This is like a high priority for us. I always am trying to measure like calling people to like really be at things. But this is like, this is important. This, I would ask for it to be the main priority of that day. Like say no to everything else. Family meeting, February 27th is very important. And so let's start right in. Let's just jump right in. And so we're not going too long for us today. I wanna start off talking about my time in Chicago. I talk about my time in Chicago often, but I don't think I've ever really talked about it from this perspective. Uh, for those of you who don't know, oh, I'm Pedro Reese, by the way. I don't know if I've said that already. Uh, I'm lead pastor here. Um, and uh, right after college, I went and I did urban missions in Chicago. I was placed in Chicago. I went with this organization that I still love so dearly called Mission Year. And um, you're placed in a city and you serve that city and you serve your neighborhood. You're placed on a team and your whole team's like, goal is to be a community with one another and to serve the city. And so it's really rather easy to get connected with what the church is doing in Chicago. Like for as broken as Chicago really is with violence and gangs and drugs and still like one of the most racist cities in America, like for as many problems, as complex problems as that city has, the church is alive and vibrant and active. Like we never, the church will like never do enough, but like, it's, it's, if you are looking, you will find where the church is in that city. And like, it's so easy to be connected and it's so like easy for like being connected to overtake your schedule, like going to this event and going to this nonprofit event and going to this ministry event. And like one of the things, one of the really funny outcomes of like living that life and being a part of community development and especially Christian community development is that you start to collect Jesus swag. And like what I mean by that is like, like you go to these events and we all know like a, an event is not a real event unless somebody prints out a t-shirt. 
And so you like you go here and you get a t-shirt, you go here and you get a hat, you go here and like unfortunately like the lame ones are like the mouse pads. But like you go to and you start collecting all of this Jesus swag. And by the end of my time in Chicago, like I like had a whole wardrobe, like three quarters of my closet was like Jesus swag. It was just like stuff that I collected along the way because I went to this event and I went to this service day and I went to this ministry. It's like because the opportunities, there's so much happening. It's easy to be connected. And then like it's easy to be in that community. And it's like these, this whole community of people that I would regularly see because I was like, oh, I was at that event. Yeah, oh, remember I met you there. And like, oh, I met you here. It's like, oh, I met you at that conference. I met you at that Christian Christian Community Development Association event. Like, yeah, like we, we just keep on stumbling because we're in the same circles. Uh, but then like God did something really funny with me at the end of my time in Chicago. Like I would look at my wardrobe and I would like kind of swell up in pride. Like, and there was a there's a lot of healthy things in that, right? It wasn't all wicked, but there was like there was some healthy things in there. But there was also like a lot of like, wow, like look at how connected I am. Like these aren't these aren't just my shirts; these are my trophies. Like this isn't just my shirts, but oh, this isn't like my status symbol. Nobody outperformed me. No one outserved me and my team in, in my time in Chicago. And it's like these silly shirts. It's like, I'm like mostly cheap shirts, let's be honest. Like it served to like swell up my pride. And eventually I found that like God, even like, even my shirts, even my swag, he could use to show me what my motivations really were. It's like in God's hand, in this like universal holy God, like in his hands, he can choose anything to show me where my heart really was in something. And we start there because like, that's where our word brings us to today. That in the hands of God, anything can be used to reveal our, our real motives, our real heart, like what we really care about. We are in week uh, five, I believe, of our sermon series called Open Table. And in this sermon series, we're looking through the Gospel of Luke. Because the Gospel of Luke is unique in that it's like more than any of the other Gospels, it shows Jesus' heart for the forgotten, for the broken, for the blind, the poor, the oppressed, the needy. Like everyone that is discarded by society and by religious structures even, like, like God's, God's religious structure. Everyone who's discarded and thrown away, everyone who knows that they're broken, and everyone who knows they need a Savior and find it in Jesus. Like Jesus came and changed the world through His love and service for all of us misfits. And then also one of the like unique things about Luke is that seemingly almost every other chapter, Jesus is like at the table with someone. He's bringing in the kingdom of God one bite at a time, one table scene at a time. Like he's teaching, he's doing at the table, like he's reaching those who are lost. He's reaching those who are broken. He's also confronting those in power, those who have it together. He's healing at the table. He casts out demons at the table. He like performs miracles at the tables. Like the table is just, like there's magic at the table, especially when God is there because we are relational beings. And when we go to the table, our whole beings at the table, like we're being fed, but we're also like eating something more than just the food there. Like that's one of the, th I, I'm convinced that that is like the part of life that the pandemic has stolen the most, especially in the life of our church. Like being together and sharing the table is like beautiful. It's like a holy moments where we can be seen and see other people. 
And so Jesus, like in the book of Luke, brings people to the table, and then he meets people at the table all the time. One table at a time, he's bringing in the kingdom of God. And today, like we like get this instance of this time where Jesus says yes again to the Pharisees and is like really present with them, and he's brave and loving enough to confront them. Just like my t-shirt showed me, like even the smallest of things can, like in God's hand, can show us when our motivation is wrong, when our hearts are coming from wrong places. And so as his followers today, like let's hear this story and allow the Holy Spirit to like, like, Lord, in my life, show me where I'm missing the point, where I'm lost, where I care more about my show or my game than I do what you have told me to do. And so let me pray. First thing is to pray. Prayer is the primary work of, of all believers. Pray and invite the Holy Spirit into the reading of His Word so His Word is like illuminated and actually changes, brings change into our lives. And so uh, let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this day. First and foremost, I thank you for everyone here. Lord, you are good and faithful to us. Thank you for saying yes to the Pharisees again for showing up, for being present, Lord. Because if you showed up for them, you'll show up for us, Lord. Thank you. I pray over the reading of your word, Lord, that you're like a word that's alive and sharper than any two-edged sword, like would come alive and would teach us about ourselves and our hearts and where we come from often. Lord, uh, even if you need to confront us, we ask for your conf confrontation today. We know that you're good and just and loving enough to bring us to life when you do that. And so, Lord, I pray over today's sermon and uh, pray that it serves you and your purpose. Holy Spirit, you're invited into every part of this morning. Love you. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And so let's read God's Word. This is the Word of the Lord. We're going to be in Luke chapter 11 this week, starting in verse 37. God's Word says this. While Jesus was speaking... A Pharisee asked him to dine with him. So he went in and reclined at the table. The Pharisee was astonished to see that he did not first wash before dinner. And the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees cleanse the outside of the cup, of, uh, the cup and of the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You fools! Did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But give as alms those things that are within, and behold, everything is clean for you. But woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb and neglect justice and love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Woe to you, Pharisees, for you love the best seed in the synagogue and greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, for you are like unmarked graves and people Walk all over them without knowing it. This is the word of the Lord. Let's catch up to Luke a little bit to see what we've missed in the meantime. Last week we were in Luke chapter 11. I almost said Mark. I don't know why. But we were in Luke chapter 11 and uh, sorry, chapter 9 uh, where Jesus feeds the 5,000. And really it was like we talked about last week about ten to 25,000 people. And he fed them miraculously. Like Jesus was the host of that meal. And everyone was fed. No one was turned away. And then like Jesus has continued to do Jesus-y things. He's rejected a couple much. He talks like he's, 
He has the audacity to say, if anyone wants to follow me, you'll have to die to do that. And then in chapter 10, he sends out 72, right? Not just the 12 anymore, but he sends out 72 people in pairs. And he tells them what to do. And they come back to him later on in that chapter. And they're like, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. They're like, well, like, what? They're just blown away. Like, Jesus, why can't you? Like, you didn't even, you weren't even there. And your name was enough. Like, what can you not do? Like, how different are you from everyone else? And then, like, he teaches uh, the Good Samaritan parable. He hangs out with Mary and Martha a little bit. And then in chapter 11, it's like, it's like all about food, which is very funny. Like, Jesus knows our love language. He knows that if he talks about food, we're probably going to get it. Right? And the disciples here in chapter 11, they ask him, like, how do you pray? And he talks, and even in his prayer, he's like, give us our daily bread. And then in his explanation of the, of the Lord's Prayer, like he starts talking about food, and it's all about food, which is like, it's still comical to me. He's like, which one of you who has a friend who comes to you in the middle of the night and asks for three loaves of bread, like how many of you are going to turn him away? And it's like, even you who are wicked and you will give that to him, like how much more will God give you? And then he's like, you as dads, which one of you, when your kid asks for an egg or a fish, We'll give them a scorpion or a serpent. Like, and even if you who are wicked know how to do these good things, like how much more will God do to you? And then like he, he, he heals another demonized man. He talks some more. And then we get to today's story, like just casual, you know, casual Jesus things. And then it's like we get like glimpse of this like really awkward encounter, like this kind of like painful, like put yourself in the room when we have read this, like, oh, like, if that was directed to me, I would have melted on the spot. I would have like tried to find any corner to crawl out of. But like, let's start the scene. Let's like, like really dive in. First, we're going to talk about washing the outside. Verse 37 to 41, paint the scene. They show us the conflict here. They like, it shows us why this was such a memorable occasion. It made it into the final script of God's story. And the first thing that like, I just really want to cause us to think about first is like, that, like, again, Jesus said yes to the Pharisees. So he says here that he was speaking and a Pharisee comes up to him. We don't learn who it is this time, but he, like, he asks him to dine with him and he says yes. And verse 37 ends with Jesus reclining at the table. I think of everything we've said about what that meant in their culture and what it like, even still means in our culture. Like when you go to the table with someone, you're like being there. You're like really present. You're like, you're not playing around. Like Jesus wasn't playing games. He like didn't know how this meal had to go. And like, he's just there to play it out, right? He wasn't an actor, but like he was there. And he gave them the most precious thing he could give them, which was himself, his presence. And he's there. He says, yes. Like even if there's a chance that they will like, somebody will listen and repent. Jesus says, yes. When invited, Jesus shows up, even with the Pharisees. And he reclines at the table with them, right? He makes himself equal with them. He like isn't there with like bad motives, which is the whole point of the story. But like he's he's like actually really there. And then he he meets them, and the problem arises in verse thirty. It says the Pharisees were astonished to see that he did not wash before dinner. It's like a part of me laughs at this because like I wonder how much of this was they remember what happened at Simon the Pharisee's house, right? Simon was a horrible host did not give Jesus what a host needed to give. And one of them was the water. 
to wash himself before the meal. And now like you get to here and they're like, okay, we're not gonna, we're not gonna do the same mistake twice. We've learned our lesson the first time. And they give him some water and he's like, Jesus does not use it. And we're like, Jesus, how can we win with you, man? Like, bro, like, what are you doing? How can like, what are you doing? They, it says here that they were astonished. Like, that's not just like some small reaction. They were astonished that he didn't do it. Like, Jesus had the audacity to not wash up like we do. What is his deal? And in here, like, that serves to, like, open up the, the nut of this whole experience. Like, this is, like the, like, the picture of what's going on here. They could not believe that Jesus wasn't doing, their, doing things their way. And this is why, you see, in, back then, the Pharisees, what they did was, essentially, is they took everything that God made, like, they took his law and his stories, and they built walls around them. To protect it they're like wow like this is so amazing like i think it even probably even started off well but they like started to build around it and they built a maze around what god had made and then they're like oh wow like we got to protect this we can't even like we can't even risk breaking this so like let's build a wall to build us in here but then like eventually they found out that they built a maze that they couldn't find their way through anymore like and we see this here because the Pharisees had this whole cleansing ritual before their meals. They would take their hands, the cup and their bowl, and they would like have this whole ritual where they would wash it, wash the outside of them, because their whole idea was like, we need to be, we need to be cure, uh, pure, we need to be clean, right? And so let me wash these things. I wash my hands of any dirt. I'll wash this. But they had all these like rules, like the water couldn't drip down their arms because like, that would make them dirty. The dirt of their hands and of the plate and the cup would make them dirty, right? So they had like, they would hold their hands out and make sure it would, none of it would drip on them, but it would drip down and they would clean them. They had this whole ritual. It was like it made sense in, I, in heart, right? Like, oh wow, like we need to keep ourselves clean for the Lord. But then the first lesson here is like that we can't ever add holiness when God isn't building it. Like the Pharisees took all of these things, they took the law, they took God's story, they took practices and like good ideas and good principles, and they built such a web and it confused themselves so much that they like couldn't find their way back to God. And then eventually they didn't even try, they only cared about the show. Like they, they, like, they had lost themselves so much. They had lost themselves so much in being holy that they were, like, not living out God's holiness. They were building their own structures and living in their own kingdoms. Like, they couldn't believe that Jesus wouldn't wash his hands like they did, like they taught people to do, like they said was the right way to do, the way that God would. But none of that was found in the Old Testament, which is the kicker. Like, none of that was in the, the law. None of that was in the temple, like in the temple rituals and so like they added it and said it was God and we're like like Lord this might have even started off well but they built their own kingdom they built their own system their own religion and they're like said it was God and they're like that's where the problem comes here and Jesus says to them it's like now you Pharisees like you clean the outside of the cup right but you forget about the insides like you put on these shows but you're like you're not actually doing anything of value. It's like you do all of these things, but you only care about the appearances of things. None of it is coming out of a, a heart or your love for God or your pursuit of Him. And he's like, you clean the outside of these things, but inside you're full of greed and wickedness. 
and he calls them a fool, which was a big deal, like pretty much like cursing them out. And he said, did not he who made the outside also make the inside? He's like, I'm here for the inside too, guys. I'm not here for the show. I'm not here to play the games. I'm not here to do it your way because your way isn't God's way. Like, let's not play these games. He's like, but give alms those that are within and everything will be clean. Like, but like start doing these things and like get rid of all these things that you build. Like be generous to other people and then you're going to be clean. And then Jesus like, hush. He's really, like, he's really telling them like, your rules are like meaningless. They're not what God had built. You can, like, can't add holiness to what God built. Like uh, this week, uh, that has made me think a lot about <laughs> certain rules that I make for myself. Like I remember when I was young, I was like typically afraid of the dark, just like normal kid stuff. And I was afraid of monsters coming in my room. But like I would make up these sets of rules and they would actually make me feel safe. Like what, in, what monster in the world would ever like know my rules in the first place and then follow them? Like one of my rules was if I had three of my limbs under the cover, I was okay. Like they couldn't touch me, right? It's like, oh, like I just picture a monster peeking his head in there. It's like, oh, one, two, three, three limbs. He's okay. I can't touch him. But like I would make sure if I wanted my hand out, my other three limbs were under the covers. You can believe that. If I wanted my foot out, the other three were under the covers. Like I made up these rules and then I found comfort in them and then like they governed how I lived. And that's what the Pharisees were doing. And that's what we do. Like if we're just honest, that's what we do all the time in life. Like we do that so often with silly things and with big things. And then like the Pharisees, sometimes we like, we wake up one day and we're like, where am I? I'm lost. I don't what have I been doing? Or I've been playing a game. Um, I also, I know I have this other thing and I'm working on this one on myself. Like I have this really silly, this is my like personal Bible. I have a lot of other Bibles, but this is like the one that's like really dear to me and I like really love it. Like when, when I, if I ever lose this or if it ever breaks, like I'm going to be really sad. Uh, and I have this thing where like I cannot, I cannot put anything on top of it. Like, I can't do this and walk away and feel okay. Like, ugh, like it irks me so much. And I have this rule, like, nothing goes on top of my Bible, but I, like, I know that's, like, quite meaningless and, like, ugh, like, but I can't do it. Like, I honestly can't do it. Like, the other day, I even found myself rationalizing it. Like, I, like, put my glasses on the table and, I, and on my Bible, and I walked away, and I was too far. I was really lazy, and I was like, oh, well, Lord, okay, like, well, then, like, if I put my glasses on the Bible, then, like, help me to see your word clearly. And I'm, then I was like, Pedro, okay, this is a little absurd now. This is ridiculous. But it's like, I, like, I also, like, can't stop doing that. And that's, like, hopefully a, a silly or smaller thing, but, like, we all have these things in the fair, like, Jesus is like, you build these rules. And it's not, like, actually adding holiness. It's, like, keeping you from God. Like, Pharisees, you're only about the show. And then uh, verse 39, he's like, what's really inside is greed and wickedness. That's what's really in your heart. And then Jesus moves on from here. And he's like, oh, like I want to clean. I don't want to just clean the outside. I'm here for the inside too. And then like to get their attention, he starts saying woes over them. So let's talk about a few woes. And then starting in verse 42, like Jesus says his famous woes. Woes to the Pharisees. Three woes that he gives them. 
the first one. Oh, well, first, like, a woe in Jesus' day in communicating was, like, you just wanted to express, like, really strong emotions, like, extreme emotions, and you had to get them out there. It's like, it like a passionate plea, almost. And so, like, in a woe, there are elements of lament and grief because it's like, like you're missing the point. Like, stop. You're missing the point. Listen to me. There's also elements of, like, pain and sadness. Like, it, like it's, like, sad. Like, listen, this isn't good. You're hurting yourself or whatever. Like, listen to me right now. What you're doing is not okay. And there's also, like, a really strong sense of warning. Like, stop. Listen to me. Oh, woe also, like, change your ways. Like, change right now. And Jesus says his woes to the Pharisees. First, uh, the first woe is in 42. But woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb and neglect justice and love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. He's like, like, like Pharisees, listen to me. You're playing all these games. You're building this maze around God and his holiness, adding to it which does nothing. It actually like is you're just distancing yourself away from the Lord, from God, and like you're like full of greed and wickedness. So listen to me now. Whoa, like let me help you change really quick. Realize this. Like you you give away, you tithe. Like you are faithful tithers. You give what you're supposed to. Mint, rue, and every herb, like you give it. Giving is not the problem. But you know what? Like you know how you're far away from the Lord? Like you give, but you neglect the real reasons for giving which is justice and love of God. So you give to be seen. You give because the giving and the service is done in front of everyone. You want everyone to marvel at your holiness and what you can do. But like, you know what? You never give because of justice and you never give because you love the Lord. Like Jesus, like I, we know, I know your motivations and it's never for the right things. You do the right things. Like here he says, don't stop doing the right things, but don't neglect it others. Right, these you ought to have done. Like, do it. Like, tithing is good. Giving is good. But like, know that I know why you're doing it. And you need to do. Like, you need to have the heart and the action first. He's like, you give for justice because they're people without anything. So you give so that they can be given. Like, we're generous so that we can be generous. Like, what would happen if our church like? got to a point where we could give away 50% of what we took in. Like, imagine. We give away a lot already, but like, imagine if we can every year be pushing the envelope on that. And it's like, you, you don't give because you love God. Like, right, giving is an act of worship to this universal, eternal God who we say, like, you provide everything that I need, everything that I want, and so, like, I give back to you because everything I have comes from you, Lord. And I know that. And then, like, woe to well, number two in verse 43. Woe to you, Pharisees, for you love the best seat in the synagogues and, gre and greetings in the marketplace. It's like, well, you like love the show so much. Like, I know you do the things that you do because you love the attention. You're drunk for the attention. You like are not pursuing the Lord. Like, you love the best seat in the synagogue, right? The seat where everyone looks at you. The seat where everyone thinks you're super holy, have all the right answers. Like, you love that attention. You love looking like you're like, oh, you know what you're doing. You're all put together. Oh, what a temptation it is to be a church that, like, looks really buttoned up, right? It's, it's, it's a lot. It's really alluring. 
He's like, you also love being the mayor in town, right? You love being stopped by everyone, by being connected, by knowing what's going on. You love it when people stop you like, oh, it's so addicting and it, it like, I get it. Like, it is like really alluring to be popular. But he's like, Pharisees, I know that you do these things. Like you're very far from God. You're wicked and you're greedy because you do it for a show. You don't know the Lord. Like you're not going after true humility. Uh, I love the story. Uh, in 1902, there was a revival, a Holy Spirit revival in this country, like in the West Coast in California. It found its roots in the CMA actually here, but also like it really happened in California. Uh, and one of their leaders was so afraid. His name was William Seymour. He was so afraid that people would start like giving him attention and praise because of what was happening like well-documented miracles, like well-documented healings and like the Holy Spirit pouring himself out in a special way. He was so nervous that he would be getting attention for that, that whenever he wasn't speaking, whenever he wasn't like doing what he was supposed to be doing, he would put a bag over his head and go into the corner. And it's like, wow, like he was so concerned that he would get attention, that he put a bag over his head and went into a quarter, not to be weird, but to be like, no, it's not about me, it's about the Lord. And do you think the Pharisees could have ever done this? Do you think they would have ever been humble enough to turn away attention? Like, nah, no, 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 no. And then we get our last woe, but it's a little bit special. It's a little bit different, and I wanted to give it its own graphic. And so our last woe for today is uh, unmarked graves. And like Jesus saves his like most his most intimate whoa to the Pharisees at least because this actually this meal continues on in verse forty five we just don't have enough time to cover it all today but he saves like his last intimate his last personal his like last like real confrontation for last instead of saying woe to you Pharisees like he has the other two he says woe to you like not addressing them as a group but as individuals. Woe to you, for you are like unmarked graves, and people walk over them without knowing it. And the reason why this is like such a, a different one, it's a special one, is because the Pharisees had like a lot wrapped into graves like they did with the washing, right? In the same way they took something good and they built so many walls around it and it turned into like this oppressive thing, this oppressive religious structure and like do it like we do or else you don't know God. Uh, they had a lot of the same tendencies with graves. Um, God did teach Israel in the law and in the Old Testament, especially in numbers of what to do with bodies, of like how to take care of them and still stay clean or, or become clean if you've been dirty uh, ceremonially. And he, like, he does teach this, but the Pharisees take this and escalate it and build and build and build holiness around it that God never built himself. And it got to the point where the Pharisees would teach that even if your shadow touched a grave, you would become dirty. Like, like imagine, like, I get it. I, like, I even get that idea, but it's like ludicrous. That even if your shadow touched a grave, you became dirty. And I, again, I get the idea, but like, man, like, you're just building structures at this point just to be able to oppress people. 
And he says this to them. He's like, you know what? Like, you don't even have to worry about like your pure, this much purity, this much cleanse. Like, you don't have to worry about your shadows touching a grave. Like, you yourself are an unmarked grave. There's no life in you. There's like all this religion, all this structure, your rules. It's not building anything. No life into your life. It's like oppressing you to the point where you're dead. It's like you're so far from the Lord, you're not alive. Like you don't. You're not doing this for any of the right reasons. Like you're actually like you're a dead, you're an unmarked grave. In uh, other gospels, Jesus goes uh, also as far as to say that you're a whitewashed tomb. Like you make the outside look so pretty, but inside, like. You're just dead. And all of this structure, all of this religion, all of these rules that you put on God's rule, like, you're lost. And you're far from the Lord. Like, you're, you're not near Him. And that's so, like, to me, like, really quickly, like, I'm not impressed with religions around the world that are, like, that add all of these incredible restrictions on people's lives. Like, like, I get it. Like, I think that Christians need to be more devoted. We need to work on our dedication. We, like, need to learn sacrifice. But we have, a, like, a religion based off of freedom, right? Adding prayer three times a day or, like, making sure we, like, have all of these restrictions to life and we can't eat this. We have to be careful with this. Like, we have to do this. Like, that, like if, if that's not directed towards Jesus, if that's not directed towards the living God, then it's just oppression. Like, I'm not impressed by religions that are so restrictive on people's lives is oppression and that's what we do with the church like when we're religious that's what we do the pharisees did the same thing it's like well, we're like think that we're adding holiness but it's holiness god never asks and then we lose it and our hearts are like in the wrong places all the time and so let's conclude this a little because we're, we're getting along like I'm, I'm really convinced that Jesus, what Jesus was doing here was like confronting them in love because he was like he showed up for them. He still said yes, and like he's like, you're, you're, you got the heart all wrong. You're like so lost. Like let me teach you. Like let me help you get clean. And they're like, he gives them these woes. He gives the, these these woes because like Jesus is faithful and good enough to confront us when we need to be confronted because. Sometimes the most loving thing that Jesus can do for us is confront us. And so how do we respond? Like, these, this context isn't, like, known to us. What do we do with this? Like, what do we do with a God who, like, will confront us out of love? This is what we do. We lean, in, lean into it. Uh, Psalm 139 has been in my heart all week. Psalm 139 is our response for this week. Like, uh, like, I want us to be, I see us praying this psalm over ourselves all week long. 130, psalm 139 ends like this in verses 23 and 24. It says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Like, yeah, Jesus, like, I give you permission. Holy Spirit, I give you permission. Father, I give you permission to look in me and show me where I'm getting it wrong, where my heart is wrong, where my motives are wrong, where I'm just, like, missing the mark, where I've built religion, like, in place of relationship and presence. Like, like teach me, Lord. Search me. Challenge me. I give you these permissions. Do this. Because I would rather be challenged by you than wake up some point down the line and be like, wow, like, I don't know the last time I was actually near God and like it's scary that I haven't noticed that he wasn't around for this long.
And so, Lord, this is our response for this week. Like, Lord, search me. Show me where I'm getting it wrong. Like, show me where I'm playing a game where I have religion over relationship. Like, Lord, like, expose me to myself. Every single one of us, our hearts are infinitely capable of deceiving ourselves. And so, like, Lord, search me and show me. And I'll take your correction because there's no condemnation in Christ. Only Satan condemns. Jesus corrects and loves. And so, church, that's our response for this week. It's like, trust God to be God to correct us. Like, Lord, like, yeah, like, change me, correct me. I know that I'm not all together, and so show me where your word has something to say to me. So church, that's never easy, but man, like, it's important. And um, I know I'm running long. There's a lot more I would like to say, but we love you all. We'll be here all this week. Join our MCs. Email me at preese at citylifeinj.com. Get connected. We want to walk through this. We want to be in our MCs together. I want to get a cup of coffee with you. I want to have lunch with you. Like, let's, let's set this up. Like, let's journey together to know Christ. And so we love you all. Remember, February 27th is family meeting at 3 p.m. over Zoom. And uh, also, happy Valentine's Day. Enjoy. Oh, enjoy the Super Bowl as well. And then uh, also enjoy Valentine's Day tomorrow from, this rec- from when this airs. Love you all, and we'll see you soon.